Well, hello, everybody. It's Dr. Hank, and happy Monday to you, or whenever you're seeing this. Happy day to you. And uh, this is about health, wealth, and success. And, you know, what we do here is we help people to be healthier, wealthier, and more successful. And uh, we always have some special guests on. And today we have uh, just really a, a brilliant uh, wealth strategist, someone that can really help you to build your wealth. And, uh, and that's part of, you know, we look at money as equaling freedom. And so I welcome Rebecca Walter. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Hank. So glad to be here. Yeah, you did something out there. A wealth strategist, a tax attorney, yeah. uh, best-selling author, you're uh, summa cum laude in finance and, and uh, law degree. Worked with, you know, uh, Cooper's, IBM, AT&T. Man, you are something else. And I know that you've helped many people to uh, be able to... Uh, uh, help them increase their wealth, and that's what we're all about here on, on the show. So can you share with us, on, um, what is, uh, can you share some of your financial wisdom with us and how to really look at uh, the financial world or our own financial well-being and, and how that really out? Yeah, Dr. Hank. So, you know, my my background is I've been in finance like my entire life. I, I, I learned about money at four years old. I write about it in my book, how um, my my life was sort of shaped and formed by finances um, and knowledge of bills and money at a very, very young age. And that basically I, I knew uh, going into college exactly what I was going to graduate in uh, business, specifically finance. And um, I graduated with ex I have three different degrees. And uh. I graduated with each degree with the exact credit hours. I think I might have had one degree that I had three extra credit hours, but that was only because I took a four credit class. I needed one. But every, otherwise, uh, other the other two degrees, I graduated with the exact amount of credit hours that I needed. I didn't waste one class. I knew exactly what I was doing. That, that was my laser focus because wow. of my childhood. And I think that when you have a childhood like that, I, I'm actually blessed by it. And I think that it really impacts you. So having this young passion for finance and wealth and what does it mean and how can you be financially independent you know mm -hmm. led me down the financial track and i definitely um got a job with at the time price waterhouse right actually i was still in my final semester of my finance right. degree when wow. i got a job with them part-time with the understanding that as soon as i graduated i would move into full-time so That's i didn't cool. have any of that oh i'm gonna take a year off and tour backpack in europe kind of, kind of thing <laughs> that didn't happen for me and um so i was in finance and i and and what we kept bumping into at all my different positions was tax right and i thought you know what i really need to understand this tax this tax game a yeah. lot more and so i'm gonna i'm gonna quit right and i was making that i was doing very well in right. my early age and i said i'm gonna go to i'm gonna quit and i'm gonna go to law school and i'm gonna become a tax lawyer so i know exactly yeah. what i need to do to structure things the way they should be structured Good. and so that's really been i i got out of uh i went to uh florida for my uh law degree and then i went to nyu for their my tax advanced tax law degree and that's the best uh that's the number one rated program in the country the nyu program in new wow. york and um 
I, I got out and I was practicing tax law in Florida exclusively. And I went in to a boardroom with a client who had his financial advisor on one side and I was on the other side and he's at the head of the, the boardroom because it's his office, you know, and we're both there and the advisor starts talking first. Now the client and the advisor have no idea that I have been in finance for over 15 years and I'm just, you know, I'm now practicing tax lawyer, but you know, finance is my, my whole background. And the financial advisor starts talking and telling this client, this mutual client, um, a strategy that was so horrible from a tax perspective, in my opinion, that and, and a financial perspective, right? And I'm digging my heels into the carpet, trying, and I'm telling myself, you're just a tax attorney, you're just a tax attorney. And I heard myself, you know, it's one of those moments in your life where you're like, everything's going to change, right? I wow. answered myself back, but you're not, you're not just a tax attorney. And in that moment, I knew instantly I was going to have to have my own practice. Wow. So that was, that was six years ago. And I've had oh. my own practice for six years. And um, it's doing really well. The reason we're different with maybe what a lot of your clients, real estate people are really interested in is we look at investment from a tax perspective. So not mm -hmm. only does it have to meet the income and the rates of return and the cash flow, but it also has to meet the tax rules and the tax game that is played and you know what um most people i would say over 90 percent of americans aren't considering tax and right. if i have to say there's one threat to future wealth and the retention of future wealth mm -hmm. and i only could pick one answer there is no equivocation there is only one answer and it is taxation it is taxation it, we are going in this decade you know, Dr. Hank, you've heard and your your listeners have heard about kicking the can down the road. We've all heard about this kicking the can down the road and we haven't dealt with it. We haven't dealt with some problems that we've had for almost 50 years. And right. this is the decade between 2020 and 2030. This is the decade where all of these things that we've been kicking the can down the road are actually coming to fruition. Mm -hmm. So you will not see this tax code that we have now, it will be gone by 2030, 100% gone. Because wow. the math, the so math. Why is that? How, is, how is that? Is that because of the debt that the government has or the trillions of dollars of that? Or why is the tax system going to change? It's a simple function of math, Dr. Hank. It's a simple function of math. So if you look at what is happening in this decade, um, and I will explain it to you. When you see what is happening, you will understand that this has never happened before in the history of recorded time. Wow. And it's happening in less than 10 years in our country. And by the way, it's happening all around the world. It's not a, just a U.S. thing, but it is mostly, it is mainly uh, focused here, obviously. And when you realize that it's happening, you will understand the math. So just to just to digress for one minute and just sure. explain to people so they understand the frame of reference. When yep. Social Security came out in 1935, when FDR signed in 1935, men and women did not live automatically past adolescence. So that was one thing. But if they did live past adolescence, men lived on average to 62 years of age and women lived on average to 65 years of age in a few months. Mm -hmm. 
So when they were designing Social Security for the first time, they literally designed it to be paid at 65, thinking that just a few you know, women would get it for a few months and then they would pass as well. And it would be a very cash flush system. So if you look back at the actuarial math that was done in the 30s, yeah. it was actually genius. They, they really were designing a system to, I hate to say this, but screw over Americans, sure. collect all this money and then just pay it for a few months and then that person would pass away. So that's the design. It was designed to be cash flush. Now we think it's bankrupt and it is. So that's the problem. But what happened naturally is over the the decades, right, we started living 20 years longer. So now we live on average to our mid 80s and women are really pushing 90s now. And we live about five to seven years longer than our male counterparts on average. So Mm -hmm. you start to see that you have a problem because it was never designed to pay people for 20 years. And I'm getting to why this is all a big problem. So- That's the, the baseline. Now what you have on top of that, they didn't expect people to live for two extra decades. The second thing they didn't expect was they just did standard birth rates. They just get consistent birth rates. They didn't provide for any massive increases. Well, yeah. in 1935, they had no idea that from 1946 to 1964, we would have 75 million people born in a 19 year period that had never happened before. They did no forecast or modeling on that. And you have 75 million people born, we call them the baby boomers. Right. So since I want people to understand something since 1935 through 2020, we haven't really had to pay the bills that we've signed up for mm-hmm. because we have had so many more people working this entire since 1935 than people that have actually retired. We just right. have so many more worker bees than retirees. Right. And now that is flipping in this decade. So let me just give you the numbers. Right now, we have about 125 million, what we call FTEs, full-time equivalents, okay? And that is supporting right now about 62 million people that are on Social Security from a retirement income perspective. I'm not talking about disability, just the 62 million people on income. Right. So now here's the problem. Uh We have not even had 30% of our boomers retire yet. Mm -hmm. And we are basically, let me just tell you the math, 125 million to 62 million people retired. That's a roughly two to one level, which is unsustainable. Mathematically, it's not sustainable. But beginning in 2022, here's the problem. Beginning in 2022 and over the next six years, really, seven if you push it, we have 50 million baby boomers. 50 million baby boomers are going to reach what we call FRA, full retirement age, in a six-year period of time. That means 50 million people that are right now in the system working full time are going to retire and then they are rightfully going to go on to Social Security and Medicare themselves. So when you look at what's happening, you have a swing of 100 million people in a six year period of time. So by the time we reach 2028, you're talking about so many people on Social Security and Medicare that there will be no choice but to raise taxes. And the Congressional Budget Office did an analysis in 2008. This study is old now. They did an analysis in 2008, and they said that they expect the lowest tax bracket, at the time it was 10%, they expect the lowest 10% bracket will have to go to 25%, and they expect the middle class 25% bracket will have to go to 63%. Oh, my goodness. And also, doesn't this, isn't this coupled then with, we have this huge, uh, national debt, but then they just paid for all the 
offices for the last three months or whatever it is, just take a break and everybody go on vacation. So, I mean, somebody's got to pay that bill. And so isn't it even, didn't it just get worse? Well, that's the thing. The analysis that the Congressional Budget Office did only took into consideration, not what our current debt is, but just the requirement for outflow versus inflow. They just looked at the fact that we're losing 50 million workers in such a short period of time, and we don't have the Gen Zers to come yeah. up behind them and replace them. We just don't have that same population there in a mm -hmm. truncated period of time. So not only is the, the tax rate just on the retirement boomers and just on the demand on Social Security and Medicare, but then yeah. you add in the fact that you're 100% right. We were at 25 24, 25 trillion right now, yeah. but then we just passed CARES Act, which is another $6 trillion of funding, uh, yeah. 4 trillion in capital infusion and 2 trillion in PPP, what you're talking about, the payroll, pay, payroll protection program and yeah. all of these small business, you know, and, and actually large corporations even too got some of that money. So uh, yeah. when you add 6 trillion to the 25 trillion to get our debt to almost 30 trillion, then you have an additional problem that's not recognized in that CBO report, which is the fact that the interest on the debt, even at the most extremely low rates, doctor, yeah. is uh, is basically going to surpass what we spend on our military, on Social Security and Medicare combined. Right. It's just so massive. And so, Dr. Yeah. Hank, this is just a tax explosion that is yeah. happening this decade and people are not prepared for it. They're building right. their wealth. Most right. Americans outside of real estate, even sometimes inside of real estate and self-directed IRAs, they're building their wealth pre-tax because they've been preached pre-tax, pre-tax, pre-tax by all conventional advisors across the United States without fail. Maximize right. your 401k, maximize your IRA, maximize, maximize, maximize. Don't pay the taxes now while you're working and you're making the highest income. Wait yeah. till you retire and your income's low and therefore your taxes will be lower. Yeah. But that math equation requires that tax rates stay the same That's and right. when tax rates go up doesn't matter if you make less you'll pay more so yeah, we have people that have been setting aside millions of dollars the country has we've got billions and trillions of dollars in pre-tax wealth and guess what the government's going to get to do they're going to yeah. tax it at a much higher rate because people are not prepared for what is coming got it so rebecca we got it it's loud and clear and you know, I kept on thinking, like, who do people think is going to pay for all of this stuff? You know, and I mean, a lot of people, most people, in fact, that have been furloughed are earning more money than they were when they were working. And so, you know, it's just financially, you guys, somebody eventually you have to pay, pay for that. So let's talk about solutions. What can you help us with to be able to... Uh, understand, we understand the tax rate's going to be a lot higher and everything's going to change as far as, oh, this is a way to do. So what can we do now in order to um, offset those tax increases that are going to happen? There's definitely solutions. I want to mention one other thing, Dr. Hank, because I sure. know what your listeners, who your demographic is, right? And they're real estate yeah. investors, right? we got a lot of real estate investors. And so I, I have a lot of real estate investors that come to me and I know that I'm a tax lawyer. I know exactly the game and how it's played, right? Yeah. And so a real estate investor is going to hear that and they're going to think, well, 
I have my assets in real estate. I, I flip houses. I have rentals. I'm getting, um, you know, all this. That, that's my stuff is in pre-tax. And so right. let me just talk directly to the real estate investors for a second, because okay. the, the, the game that we play on the real estate side with tax, I, I, I'm there too, right? I know what that is. So yeah. we basically depreciate that, right? We do, right. A depreci we offset cash flow through depreciation. And then yep. when we get to, we fully depreciate the asset. We 1031, we sell and 1031 exchange into a new uh, project where we can then depreciate again. And we do this over and over and over until we die. And then at death, we expect what we call a 1015 step up at death so that our family or whoever our heir is inherits our real estate empire at then stepped up fair market value and we escape taxation altogether. Yep. So I'm very familiar with what real estate investors think that is going to work for them for the rest of their life. And right. I will tell you that we got a wake up call for real estate investments from a tax perspective this year. And let me specifically tell you what I'm talking about. Okay. So two things happened in this uh, Democratic election cycle when they were kind of going through the candidates. So we already know Trump's tax policy and what that is. I want to focus on what the new people that would be coming in, what their tax policy is. Okay. And what you see is some kind of very alarming things when it comes to real estate. And I'm talking about alarming. So the first thing is um, I was shocked to learn that Mike Bloomberg proposed the elimination of 1031s altogether mm. talking about somebody who made money on real estate and they're coming up with the tax plan to get rid of the 1031 shocking right so that's that's one proposal then you've got pete Buttigieg, who basically proposed the elimination of all capital gains completely eliminate capital gains which was an extreme position which everyone was like what will wait what mm. right you eliminate capital gains then you got a big problem Second, second thing is you'll see that all of the democratic proposals all called for the elimination of capital gains. It just depended on where they called for it, whether it was somebody who was in the top 10%, top 5%, top 1%, all yep. of them had a phase out of the capital gains tax at some point over to ordinary income taxation. So that's number one. Then what you see is if you go back and you look at their proposed capital gains taxes, you see them proposing capital gains taxes in excess of you know 30 or 40 percent mm. so what's coming for the real estate investor eventually when all of this stuff happens and again i'm telling you it's not all going to be too done to fruition until 2028 but it's right. start hurting a lot in 2022 so we're going to start seeing tax policy changes mm -hmm. and what i see is the potential elimination or a phase out of 1031 ability altogether yeah. At, yeah. at some income levels. And then certainly uh, we can look forward to, and I don't know how long, but I can tell you that we can look forward to the elimination at a certain level of income of capital gains, or if we're not phased out of capital gains, then the capital gain tax rate will be raised so much that it will actually be right now worse than our top ordinary income tax rate, which is 37% under yeah. Trump's model. So and then, we, and then we couple all that with income taxes are gonna increase to, Again, they could be over 50% for most people then. Is that correct? I, I'm telling you, this is what's coming, Dr. Hank. I mean, all these people that think that we can just spend money and grow money on trees, that there's no economic policy that, that ascribes to that philosophy. That is, that is fantasy land. 
somebody is paying the bill. The government is the creator of nothing. All they are is a transferer of wealth. They go to the people that have it, take from them and give it to people that don't or give it to causes that they think are worthwhile, like military. And I'm not saying that that taxation is wrong. Right. I mean, I'm a libertarian, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I'm not saying taxation is wrong. I'm saying that crazy taxation is totally right. wrong. And obviously they need a lot of money. We, we're yeah. going to have the greatest income need for the federal government by a, a factor of 10 than we've ever had before in this decade, in this decade. And right. what do they think is gonna be the result? We have inflated our debt so much now that in, you know, just printing money, unless you all wanna lose the value of a dollar, that's not a solution. So taxation is gonna be the solution and they have to tax the people that have the wealth, which are your listeners and my right. clients. These right. are the people that have the wealth. Right. And so that is what we have to just be prepared. I mean, I just, yeah. I guess I get so sick, Dr. Hank, of of all these conventional gurus that are on television, and I'm on television every week, you know, yeah. on national television every week, and I and I'm yeah. trying to get that message out, but still, all the conventional people are talking about maximize your pre-tax, and so you know, real estate investors they do a lot of self-directed stuff. They do self-directed mm -hmm. IRAs and buy real estate inside of a self-directed IRA, and I would just say to that that you know, Roth conversions. Roth conversions while Roth conversions make sense. And right now they make sense because we do have, it's so funny. I get people that come to the client to me, right? And they say, Rebecca, I need a tax solution. I just pay so much in taxes. I need a tax solution. Yeah. And so I, I look at them and I figure out what they're paying right now. Granted, you know, they're making, you know, they're in the top bracket. They're making a substantial amount. So they're the tax that they're paying is a high amount of tax. So no one's going to argue that it's not a high amount of tax, but right. when you the amount they're paying, and you divide it by the amount they're earning, and you see that the effective rate is less than 30%, and right. you know, because you know the history of taxes, that we've had a top tax rate before at 94% in 1944 and the top and the height of World War II. Mm. You have to say, gosh, you know, anything that's less than 30% in the history of American taxation is actually still quite low. And mm. if you're coming to a tax lawyer trying to find a tax that's less than 30%, what are you going to feel like when you're taxed at 50 percent at 50 percent right. which is what's coming and that's before we talk about state taxes if yeah. you live in a state that has taxes that's yeah. income taxes so we have to start to leverage roth conversions for pre-tax wealth for those of investors that do have self-directed iras that are ira you need to convert it you have six maybe good tax years left if we're lucky six if uh, Trump's uh, not reelected and we don't have Trump's tax plan, I would expect that we would have less than six good tax years left for sure. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to start looking at what you need to do to reposition assets to take care of the tax now while we have very low and very good tax rates because that's what we have right now. Got it. So there's the solution is to take care of the tax now. If you are afraid of the future rates that I just gave you, uh, that I'm not giving the, I'm not making these up, Doctor Hank. This is from the Congressional Budget Office. This is their analysis and their projection from 2008, which obviously didn't take into consideration the CARES Act and the fact that our federal debt would be over 30 trillion dollars when all of these things actually happen. So yeah, I mean, we have low taxes now, and people have to wake up and realize that. And before they're trapped, yeah. once taxes are raised and you have money in pre-tax vehicles, you cannot get that money out physically without paying the tax. It's not possible. Got so it, got it, got you it. You have to take care of and take advantage of this now. Well, there you go. And, and so can you share with us, I know you have a best-selling book and I love
love the title. It's called Wealth Unbroken, and it's growing wealth and uninterrupted by market crashes, taxes, and even death. And of course, we've been talking a lot about those taxes. So can you share um, about your book and how that can help us by getting that book? It's available on Amazon. It's discounted right now at uh, about 15 bucks so you can get it. And so can you tell us a little about that? And Oh, there we go. Look at and, and oh, your pretty face on there, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's me. Um, I, I, I do have to say that uh, if you showed that, that I, my book, uh, The Happiest Man in the World, it's my face on it, and you're way better looking. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, the book, the book is, um, okay, so the book is, I just gave you a, a, a an encapsulation, really, of uh, the tax chapter and the yeah. history of American taxation, which is the first, probably, I'd say, um, a third of the book. The second third, it goes into the market and um, the history of the market and and really what you can expect if you're, you know, obviously our, our real estate investors already know the history of the market and already know that they're doing real estate for an alternative investment class to the market for a reason. So, right. um, but it, it does bring into the, the book the the market because so many people are just invested in the market and their 401k and that's their standard wealth building most americans build their wealth pre-tax in the 401k and that's what they've done that have yeah. a kind of wealth building so we attack those two things as to what's wrong with them and why it's going to prevent you from having what you want in retirement and then the last couple of chapters are really dealing with solutions and we really believe in what we call a fiscal house model which basically means having multiple different asset classes um, that will bring in wealth. And so if you talk to a typical money manager, they're going to tell you like, like the guy that was, you know, the financial advisor on the other side of my client that made me say, Oh my gosh, I got to go out and do this myself. Um, they're just talking, um, we call them triangle advisors in the book. They are, you'll understand why when you read the book, but they exist in the three angles of the triangle. If it's not a stock, a bond, an ETF, a mutual fund, or a REIT, they don't know it as an asset class and they don't use it as an asset class. We talk specifically about real estate and why real estate is a good long-term inflation hedge strategy, one of the best inflationary protected assets in the history of the United States of America. So we okay. definitely are fans of real estate. I would okay. say based on the taxation that we think will come for real estate, that we wouldn't want you to build your entire portfolio and real estate. And, and Dr. Hank, yeah. you can speak to this, but one of the things that I've seen in the last two corrections, of course, the Great Recession in, in 2008 was really real estate centric because of the subprime lending and the and the asset backed securitization of those. We know that. But even the coronavirus, what I saw, because we have clients that invest in real estate. We, we love that as, yeah. an, as one of the asset classes. You know, even with coronavirus, with everybody basically getting furloughed or laid off very quickly, and then all of the commercial leases. So whether you had commercial property or you right. had residential real estate property a lot of our investors saw real estate just pause pause yeah. on cash flow and so yeah. that's another thing that you need to be considerate of if you're building nothing but a real estate portfolio you just want to stop and say hey if we have another global pandemic and everything shuts down are people going to have the constant ability to pay me now if they were listening to advice they would have a six-month fund emergency mm -hmm. fund and they'd be able to get through it but most people don't have that let's be clear right. Americans have nothing say so couldn't even write a 500 check so right leasing out um, to businesses or to residential people you have to be aware of that so again hedge real estate also with other asset classes that are not dependent on um, certain cash flow all the time although real estate's a great a great tool i would just think that it's not the only tool and certainly from a tax perspective there's not a lot of tax control around real estate once these great tax favored um, um, laws are going to change around real estate eventually 
Got it. And so, um, so real estate, you're saying, hey, you know, you can be in real estate, but you need to still diversify. And so what areas would you suggest? Because I have some agents and brokers that are making passive income of, you know, six figures a month. And so where should they maybe, um, uh, you know, start, start looking at diversifying? Well, one thing I like to do is I like to take um, some tax-free asset classes. Like if you're getting cash flow that's substantial right now and that you don't, it's more than what you need, then I would design a plan where we would take cash flow for maybe five or 10 years and fund a tax-free domestic tax shelter sort of over that period of time, build a cash balance in there that will not be taxable for the rest of your life. And then when real estate has a problem, when you can, when, when something like coronavirus happens, we have another asset class that we can pull and draw from tax-free, um, you know, and, and fill that gap. So you can look at alternative asset classes as kind of a, a, a parallel wealth track. Okay. I've got my real estate track, but if you're young and you're working and you're flipping and you're doing these things while you're doing that, build an outside separate to apart from other track that can be accessible during the times where real estate is going to be trying. And there are going to be times it could be as much as two years. If you think back to the great recession, I personally had at that time, two houses that were rentals and um, they both were not underwater. When the great recession happened, they became underwater because the, no, you know, the, the price and the values, everything got gutted. It took me five years to hold on to them to 2013 until they were recovered enough to sell. And I think even on one, we still had to bring like $20,000 to the table to close. Yeah. Um, but we were just so tired at that point. Yeah. We're like, yeah. right. So yeah. you just have to be prepared. Let's just not forget that real estate does have its ebbs and flows too because of the yeah. overall water economy. And as long as you have a parallel wealth track that can sustain you for a couple of years, if necessary, maybe longer, um, then that's it. And the other thing is that that's a tax play, right? So if we think that real estate eventually might not be the best tax strategy because of what's coming, then if yeah. we siphon off cash flow over a series of years and move it to something that's tax free and real estate turns into from a tax perspective, not great, at least yeah. we have this other thing that's built that's tax free. So I always like to look at even for the guy who just loves real estate. Great. Let's take yeah. some of that flow and let's build a, a buffer and let's build an outside strategy. That's awesome. And I love that. And just to make sure that I'm clear that. So when we say it's tax free, uh, again, because the 401k can change and then why that's a mistake. Uh, and because they could actually, you know, increase the taxes and, and you won't have that. that if they say it's tax free, will it actually do they have the power to change that tax and tax it? So, um, so we're talking about the Roth and the only other really um, tax-free domestic legal tax shelter besides some of your oil and gas investments, which of course are speculative. So I'm not talking about those. The, yeah. There's two really domestic legal tax shelters. There's the Roth. And okay. then the, the tax code of the Roth was extracted from life insurance, overfunded cash value life insurance. So you've got overfunded cash value life insurance that's completely off the radar legally of the IRS under the tax code. And then you've got Roth. 
Okay. So the problem with the Roth is that it's just, uh, unless you have access to do a Roth at a really high level on a contribution basis, you're going to be limited on the Roth IRA side to, you know, less than $10,000 a year, which is pittance. Right. And so you have to figure out what's available to you. But from to answer your question specifically, you know what, Dr. Hank, there's so few people that are leveraging the Roth as a tool that I can't ever see them even trying to make it taxable because it's just not really leverage. We just we are so addicted to tax deferred, you yeah. know. So, right. but but let's just try to say that they went down that road. That is a constitutional problem for the federal government. That mm. would result in a lawsuit that would go to the Supreme Court, and I don't see the government winning Good. that. I just don't Good. see them Good. Right Good. The <laughs> Good. Well, we're going to try to get in our pocket, but in essence, you can help us so that they don't get uh, the government doesn't get into our pocket and or or not as much and be able to do that. Well, that's fantastic, Rebecca. And uh, how can they, people get a hold of you if they want to really be able to secure a long term, uh, become independently wealthy, be in, uh, remain independently wealthy, however that could be? Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So my my practice website is Walser Wealth. So just my last name, which is W A L S as in Sammy R WalserWealth.com. Or you can just Google me or Rebecca Walser. My uh, Amazon will come up with my book. I have a column on Fox Business that will come up. Um, my yeah. website, my practice website will come up. So if you just Google me, um, you'll you'll find me. I'm very publicly out there. <laughs> yeah, you are. I know you're in just about every media that there is, and uh, and it's just awesome on that. And then um, to uh, just kind of close it out, uh, what would you uh, share with us? Um, uh, any last words of with of your wisdom that you'd like to share with us, whether it's on the financial end or not? <laughs> well, I would say that um, America's changing. This is the biggest decade of change that we've ever had in the history of our country. If you can't see that, you have not been awake for the last three months. Yeah. Um, this is just a precursor to what's really happening in this decade. And if you have not planned for change and not accounted in your planning on change, you are unprepared for change and you have got to do it while you can. So get ready because America's changing. This is the decade it's happening and um, you've got to uh, do some planning while you can, for sure. That's great, and if you want the best plan, go to Rebecca Walter. She definitely knows on how to do it. And again, she has more degrees and her background and everything. She is really the expert on wealth and to help you to be able to grow that wealth uh, all the way through your lifetime. Well, with that, Rebecca, we thank you so much for being on the show today. And you're just awesome. And uh, we all look forward to reading that great book of yours that uh, it's uh, magical on uh, the different steps on how you you can uh, gain your wealth. And this is Dr. Hank wishing all of you the best and knowing that health, wealth, and success is yours. You just have to think about how it can be and get ideas like this from Rebecca. So all the best. Love you all. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca.